Welcome to the Pet Grooming Business Podcast, where we give practical business advice to help you grow your pet grooming business. So without further ado, let's get going. Hello everyone. Hi. Hope well, hope you all had a um, a good day at work. Hope you're all working hard and working on your business. And tonight we are joined by Vicky. Um, Vicky is an accountant, and um, <laughs> we've just rebranded, or she's just rebranded from MBM Associates to the Pet Accountant, and um, working with pet professionals to make sure that you're getting the best advice and uh, making sure that you break and Vicky's breaking down the barriers when it comes to accountancy and when it comes down to accountants so welcome Vicky hello how are you yeah it's been a long day isn't it? <laughs> it it feels like it was only this morning I was talking to you on zoom <laughs> ah it was <laughs> <laughs> um, hello everyone um as Bill said, um, I've done a little bit of rebranding recently. Um, as you'll probably find in the next hour, um, I'm not overly corporate. Um, and the website and everything was done about five, six years ago when I joined forces with my uncle, um, who also was an accountant. So we had like a bit of a family, family vibe going on. Um, he has what well, is in the process of retiring. Um, has given me the reins, which is why everything is changing, because I am not corporate. Um, if you go on the website now, you will see it does look very corporate mm. and not very inviting. Um, that is changing as we speak, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, just to give you guys a bit of background, um, I started this about six years ago, like I said, um, and sort of not on purpose, but... Over the sort of last five years, I seem to have gravitated towards, you know, pet groomers, pet boarders, sitters, walkers, and everything else in between. Not on purpose, it just sort of gradually went that way. And I sat down with my one of my clients and she said, you know, how many, how many or what percentage of your business is with like pet professionals? And I thought, I don't know, I haven't really looked into it. And I looked and it was probably about, I'd say about 90%. And that's through mostly word of mouth, because um, I know everyone talks to each other. Um, and it was just either one groomer then passed it on to a walker who then passed it on to a boarder. And it's just grown from there. And to be honest, it's a much nicer industry to work in than dealing with plumbers, builders, electricians, which is boring. You know, when I go and see my clients, I majority, majority sit there and play with the dogs. <laughs> And then I leave and then I forget that I didn't actually pick up their accounts in the first place and have to go back. So that's the background of why I've sort of decided just to solely give my services to what we classify as, as pet professionals. And, and you're, you're determined to break down those barriers, aren't you, between the, um, the sort of the, the workers and the accountant and make sure that that word doesn't strike fear into the heart of everyone. Yeah, because I sometimes feel as soon as you say the word accountant, everyone sort of goes, oh, you know, like a car salesperson, you know, no one really likes going to them, but they have to. Um, so my my aim is to, you know, put it out there and just to show people that, you know, we're not all corporate 
stern people that are going to sort of shout at you or you know make you feel rubbish because you've asked what they classify as a silly question you know I am a normal person I am like I said the least corporate person you ever meet as an accountant you know and I will actually sit down and help you and no question is silly and I just want people to realize that we're not here as just as an expense to you we're here to actually help you and help your business and yes you know I think Richard touched on it on his chat you can do it yourself but are you getting the most out of it we don't know that's it and I was speaking to Laura last night and I kind of um put across my opinion that um, the government can be pro-business at times and they do put things in place to help you with the tax and stuff but it's knowing yeah. how to how to use those taxes to your advantage isn't it yeah and you can you know you can log on to the gov website um and, and type in you know expenses or, or whatever and it'll give you a list but it doesn't really explain in detail it'll give you like generic stuff um i was just speaking to a group of people earlier um, and just for example, um, clothing comes up a lot. You know, can I only claim for clothing that's got my logo on it? Now, the answer is technically yes. You're only supposed to claim for clothing with your logo on it as fashioned by Bill. <laughs> However, you know, as a dog walker, you're going to need boots. You know, you're going to be using them every day. Are we expecting people just to buy them out of their own money? It's a business expense. So, yes, if you're buying shoes, put it as an expense. As a groomer, you're going to go through a lot of clothes. So as long as you don't, you know, take the mick and go wild, if you need to buy clothes in order to do your job, then put them through as an expense. It doesn't necessarily have to have your logo on it, but it has to be relative to your profession. So, you know, if HMRC was to look at a dog groomer's accounts and it had, like, you know, clothing five thousand pounds then obviously they're going to be like hang on a minute and then they look into it but you know I've, I've got groomers that probably spend between i'd say probably between four and six hundred pounds a year which i think is reasonable because like i say you've got to buy the shoes you've got to buy the clothes you've got to pay someone to put your logo on it if that's what you do and it's not cheap so put it through so stuff like that and stuff like i think someone mentioned on your page about utilities because a lot of people do the grooming from home. As I was saying to you earlier, there was two ways of doing it. The easiest way is the HMRC give you um, £312 as use of house as an office and £208 as cleaning and laundry. Now, you don't have to provide receipts for any of those. So if you had an accountant, well, what I do is it I automatically put it on my clients' accounts because it's there. If you want to do it another way, which is slightly more technical, you then have to look into the square footage of your house, then the square footage of the area that you're using as a green room, and then try and work out the percentage and square footage and work all the figures out. It's mad. Just go <laughs> with the easiest option because it probably won't give you that much more anyway. So... So let's, let's try and clear this up, you know. Um, so can you, you can't, obviously you can't claim a percentage of your mortgage, can you? Or your, no. your rent. And you can't yeah. claim, a, can you claim a percentage of your electricity or your gas or water, anything like that? So that's what I mean by, so use of house as an office incorporates all of that. 
So right. you can either use that set fee or that set amount that HMRC give you without providing any receipts or anything like that. Or you can work it out officially by working out the square footage of your house and then a percentage of that. And then you'd work out the percentage of your electricity bill based on the figures that you've got from doing the square footage of your house, which sounds very complicated, which is why everyone just takes the £312 and the £208, which is probably how much it would work out anyway. Yeah, I was going to say from your experience, you know, do you actually see there is, is there much difference between the two? Not majorly, and I don't know anyone that does it that way. Like, I'm not, and there probably will be people out there, there might be people out there listening now that go, well, I do that, absolutely fine. Mm. Um, But 99.9% of people just go, actually, I'll just take that £520 and not have to worry about finding receipts and trying to work out the square footage of your garage. Yeah, I know if it was for me, I'd be like, oh, so I have to dig out all my electricity bills, my water bills, my... Actually, I'll just take that. I'll take that allowance yeah. and I'll use that to to the max. Going yeah. back, to, going back to clothing. If you provide like your employees um, a branded sort of clothing, could they claim back a uniform? Like, could you class that as uniform and get a washing allowance for it? Yeah, well, that again it would be covered under uh, cleaning and laundry. Right. So that's all. So that's um, that comes off your tax code, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it does, yeah. yeah um, I was trying to think what else was... That, that was clothing. I think I that's popped it. In, popped into my head. <laughs> the logo, the yeah, you're on. thinking, hmm, what can I do with mine? <laughs> yeah. So um, you deal with um, sole traders at the moment, don't you? And your uncle deals with limited companies. Yeah, so how we've worked at the minute is I do sole traders and partnerships um, and he does limited companies. Um he obviously is going to be retiring at some point fairly soon, um, probably next year, which means I'll be taking it all on. Um, at the minute, he is at capacity for limited companies, so we've actually got a waiting list of people wanting to come on board, which is good. Um, but I'm going to have to maybe take someone on uh, sort of the start of next year to see how COVID goes. But primarily, I will deal with, for now, the sole traders and the partnerships. So can you explain um, the difference between a sole trader and the partnerships? Because that's something that I need sort of clearing up in my head. Yeah. So obviously I'll try and keep this as simple as I can. You've got, (laughs) or we'll be here literally for about another three hours and we'll bore everyone to death. Um, Right. You've got sole traders, partnerships and limited company. Mm. Your sole trader does what it says on the tin. It is you. You are the business. You can do with that money what you like. With a limited company, obviously, as we know, it's very different. The money is not yours. The money is the company's money. Um, the reason most the reason mostly people go for limited company is because if you get sued, which obviously is going to be very rare, it will hit the company rather than the individual. Whereas a sole trader, you are the only person. So if anyone sues you, they're going to be suing you and not the company, which I think is why people go down the limited company route. But we can come on to that a bit later. A partnership, just to keep it easy, say me and you were in a partnership and we had a grooming salon and you made, let's keep it easy, £60,000 turnover. So as a, as a partnership, we made 60 grand. Then we had 30 grand's worth of expenses. So that's always going to leave us with 30 grand profit. 
Now, if you were a sole trader, you would pay tax on all of that 30 grand. With a partnership, you can split that 30 grand to whatever percentage that you want between us two. So we could do 50-50, 60-40, 70-30. If we do it, say, 50-50, just to keep it easier, I would take 15 grand, you would take 15 grand, and we'd only pay tax on that 15 grand each. So with a, with a partnership, you have your self-assessment to do, my self-assessment to do, and then a partnership self-assessment, which also gets sent off to HMRC. So there's three to do rather than, I guess, if you're just two separate sole traders, you'd have two. So the only difference really is that you get to share the profits. You're not paying as much tax. Yeah, I was just, um, that takes me right back to where we spoke to Emma Shanks and she's just come onto the call actually, or she's been watching. That reminds me very much of Emma's question last night where um, she was talking about paying her bath there like £9 an hour, but her and her uh, business partner, but also her um, life partner um, was um, getting less money. But I just wondered whether they could benefit instead of being, they, they might be a partnership, but they would probably benefit from being a partnership rather than two sole traders, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I had a lady that I spoke to yesterday, um, and actually, you know, I've got a husband and wife, so the husband does uh, is the groomer and is essentially the business as a sole trader, and she helps him out. And I said to her, well, okay, if you're just helping him out ad hoc, he's not paying you for it, do you have another job? No will be a partnership then because at the minute he's paying tax on say 30 grand's worth of profit mm. and he's not using her now if she comes on board as a partnership that fifth of the 15 grand will go to her so he's effectively already paying tax on two and a half thousand and so is she whereas before he's paying tax on a hell of a lot more so yeah if you're with another person you're both just separate sole traders then it would be worth being a partnership and then you can decide between yourselves how you want to split that profit. Yeah, maybe Emma can comment on that um, just to sort of say whether that resonates with her. But um, Lee has also said, as I'll be, as I'll be having my own salon with my wife, would it be best to have a partnership? And I, I'm assuming that you're both going to be working in that shop. Yeah, I mean, obviously it depends if his wife or her wife has another job because then tax benefits, it won't really work because then someone's going to get money from their other job plus money from the grooming, which means they're going to be earning a lot more money, which means they'll be getting taxed more. But if your partner is not got is not doing another job or is doing something that doesn't really earn that much, then you may as well be a partnership because then you can split those profits. But yeah. obviously, it's hard for me to say yes, do it, because it yeah. depends on that person's circumstances. But... You know, my example, going back to the husband and wife, she wasn't taking any of the tax benefits. She was doing the work for him and hadn't, didn't have another job. So it's like, we'll be a partnership then because then he's paying less tax. It just works out better. And a lot of people do that. And it sounds as though um, that's something that's quite complex to do on your own with all the different tax returns. And- um it, I wouldn't say it's complex, but you have to have the software in order to send the partnership return. So obviously at the minute when you're doing a sole trader, you yourself can log on and have your own account to send that off to HMRC. But with a partnership, you have to have the specific software in order to send off the partnership return. 
So in that sense, you're if you're going to be a partnership, you're better off getting an accountant or a bookkeeper to do that for you. Yeah, and I take it the same. You go into HMRC and you register as a sole trader. Uh, this is a, a separate registration to that. No, so there'll be a separate, there'll be a box. So when you go register, it'll say, are you a sole trader, a partnership or limited company? So if you're setting up a partnership, you'd have to click the partnership box. Mm. And then it will ask you for details of all the individuals in that partnership. Right. Well, I, I think, you know, straight away, some of us have learned a lot from that. And I, for one, will be going back and sort of looking hard into that because obviously me and my wife are working. <laughs> I'll certainly be looking at that with the, you know, with the the dividend sort of um, allowances coming right down through the government. Um, you you do have to ask, or I ask the accountant every year, you know, is it still worth being a limited company? So um, that sort of leads us on to. Uh, <laughs> Oh, the, the vein of my life, limited companies. The big, the big <laughs> question. Uh, <laughs> sole trader versus limited company. You know, I, you know my opinions on that. I do like I do like a limited. I think it gives you um, a good mindset going forward. Um, it gives you, you know, your, uh, it makes you feel grown up as a business, an mm. actual business for me. That's my personal opinion. But, you know, you've got to make these tax... Um, you've got to make tax work for you, don't you? So Exactly. It's all about saving yourself a bit of dollar. Um, and like you said, the dividends are coming down, the corporation tax is going up um, from 19 to 25%, which is obviously you've got to bear in mind. And I think from a startup perspective, and a lot of the businesses I've been speaking to over the last few weeks have either just started or only been like in business a year, to jump into a limited company for me personally and from experience is just the wrong thing to do i'm not saying that you can't do it and i'm not saying don't do it i'm just saying from a tax perspective if you're just starting out and you're only making maybe 10 to 15 grand profit you are not going to see the tax benefits of going into a limited company and also paying an accountant to do limited company accounts can almost sometimes be treble or quadruple the price of a sole trader um, and you've also got to get your head around the fact you've got to do a payroll. You've got to get your head around the fact that the money that goes into the business bank account with a limited company is not your money. It's the business's money. And when you take money out of there, it's going to be taxable. Whereas as a sole trader, the money that goes into your bank, you can do whatever you want with it. You're not going to get taxed on any of it like to take it out. That money is your money. So... And I spoke to a lady, just to put it into perspective, the other day, she was only making sort of six grand profit and she was paying her accountant something like £300 a month. Mm. Now, <laughs> look at it that way, you know, is that really efficient business? Yes, like you said, it looks better to certain people to have the limited at the end. It makes you feel more professional. You have got that cover if someone was to sue you or something's to happen it's the company that they see would not you as an individual, but that's what you've got all your insurances for to cover you if that was to happen, which I've never heard in six years any, anything like that happen. So you, you've got a way up. Obviously, if you start making more and more money as you go on, I would have that as a goal. You know, if you're starting to make £40,000 profit, and that's not turnover, that, that's profit, 
then you're going to start seeing the tax benefits of going into a limited company. And I'd always suggest get an accountant or someone to do it for you because it is a lot different to doing your self-assessment sole trader accounts, um, whether that be a bookkeeper accountant or whoever, just get the help. But my personal advice, if you're just starting out or if you've got profits of under 40,000 or say under 30,000, stick as a sole trader or a partnership and just keep it simple. But like I said, I'm not saying don't do it. It's you know horrible. It's just advice if you're just starting out. It's it's all about making your tax efficient, isn't it? And if you exactly. um, so if you have started off as a limited company, say, is it easy to go backwards? Yeah, you can. You can obviously again, it's dependent on the individual situation, but you can strike it off. Um, you might have to submit a set of accounts first and then strike it off, depending on how long you are in the in the time scale. Um, or you can make it dormant. So if you've picked a company name that you love and you think, well, I don't really want to lose that name, you can keep it dormant until you're ready to take it up again in a couple of years' time and you haven't lost that name. Mm. And to keep it dormant doesn't cost, you know, it's not a lot to do that. I think it's important, isn't it, to um, have this sort of review of your circumstances, like yearly or or every other year, just to... Just to work out, you know, where am I at? Where's my business at? What is the best way to go forward? And, you know, yeah. it, might, it might be worth um, me looking at the partnership idea and just make, just checking, just making sure that's yeah. the right way to go. But um, it's definitely important to review your, review your circumstances regularly just, to, just yeah. to see, am I being as efficient as I possibly can be? Yeah, and, and that's what I do with my clients, we, you know, we sit down, you know, with a cup of tea or a gin um, <laughs> and we go through, which I have, I am guilty, I have one now, um, <laughs> and we will sit down and we will go through the figures. And I always say to them, if they're getting on the cusp of sort of drifting towards limited company, I'll say, look, you know, um, and I'll go through the figures with them and say, look, this is what your tax is going to look like if you went limited like next year and this is what your tax is going to look like staying as you are and then we work it out sometimes we're like mm, I know I'm just going to keep stick with it for now and then we just review it every six months and that's you should do that anyway really because especially if you are near on the VAT threshold dare I say that dirty word um you don't want to fall foul of going over that threshold and not realizing for six months because when you register with HMRC they will backdate it so I always say review it at least every six months so then you know where you're at. So um, the VAT, the, the VAT, I've got a question sitting here for you waiting for oh. uh, about VAT. What's, oh, your, what's, your, what's your opinion of that? What's your thoughts around the VAT? And, you know, there's, it, really, it really cuts the opinion, divides the, the opinion. I've, I've seen people going, don't do it. It's the worst thing I've ever done in my business. Don't do it. Stay well away, away from it ourselves you know it was suggested that um by a business partner that we try and stay below the VAT threshold but business was just wanted to sort of keep running and I was just like we we just can't stop in September and say to customers sorry we've made we've made 83,000 pounds this year that's that's us done so what's what's your kind of take on it all I mean (laughs) Again, it depends on your personal preference, but 
you know, if you've got a business that's doing that well, that you're making a turnover of £85,000, then, you know, you shouldn't let the VAT stop it. Like, just do it and then just go past it. You know, it isn't difficult to do. I would say if you're going to if you're going to hit the back, back threshold, get yourself an accountant so they can keep you on the right track. Obviously, you've got to submit everything every three months um, and it makes the year end a lot easier. But I wouldn't be scared because, you know, it depends. But it depends what you want to do with the business. If you want it to grow and grow and grow, then just pass it. I mean, yes, you're not going to gain anything really from being back registered. It's just another thing to do, but it shouldn't be something that puts you off. Like, it's not going to cost you anything, really. Yes, you're going to have to put your prices up, but if you if your customers know you do a good job, then the fact that you're adding 20% on should be not here and there, not there, really. I mean, going back a few years, I had a, a cleaning company um, who went back registered, and she hated it. She was like, tell me what I can do. And I was like, you've got no choice. You've gone over the threshold. She's like, but I don't want to. And I'm like, but you've got no choice. Um, and she said, yes, but, you know, I've, I've emailed all my clients and some of them have left. I said, look, you know, some of them will leave. If they're just with you for price, then they'll leave at some point anyway because they'll find another cleaner cheaper or they'll find another groomer that's cheaper because they're motivated by price. Just mm. get rid of them. Like, move on and smash the VAT threshold. Go higher. If you're yeah. at 85 grand anyway, you're doing something right, get yourself, you know, hire someone else, expand, and then really let the accountant worry about the VAT. Like, it really isn't, you know, it's you're not going to gain anything from it. You're not really going to lose anything. Pay someone to do the work for you and just forget about it. And I think, um, you know, it comes with a, a bit of honesty here that, you know, if you hover around that threshold, I think it, some people can find it painful and it can be quite difficult money-wise. But if you just keep going, keep driving your business through yeah. it, it gets better, just, doesn't it? Just do it. And, you know, like I said, hire someone to, to help you through the VAT return. It, it really isn't, it isn't that difficult to do. And obviously, you do it, um, you know, or, you know, if you don't want to grow your business and you can't be asked to do the VAT, then just stay underneath it. Um, but you've just got to be careful that if you tinker around the border, as soon as you go a penny over, you have to register. Because if you don't, HMRC will know and they will come down and you light on the bricks. So you either got to stay under, under, or just think, right, screw this, I'm going to do it and go. And now that cleaner who I mentioned, She's, she's fine. She's smashed yeah. it. She's made new customers that value her work. The other ones have gone somewhere else, someone cheaper, you know, and the business is thriving. You can't hold yourself back just because of some sort of fat nightmare. It's a mindset, isn't it? And can you remind yeah. me what the, the threshold is, what the rules are around it? Um, £85,000 is the threshold. There are different types of VAT. Um, I know you do the flat rate scheme, don't you? And that just means that you pay a set amount and you can't claim back the VAT on other purchases, to put it simply. Yeah. Or it's the 20% VAT, and if you buy loads of stuff, then it'd be probably more advantageous to do another scheme where you offset what you buy, you claim the VAT back on them, what you charge, if that makes sense. So they balance each other out. It's the simplest way of putting it. And if you're predicting that you're going to hit the back threshold, you need to, to register. register. Yeah. So if you think that you're going to hit it next month, 
and register because again if you don't hmrc will know and they love sending you a good old fine so <laughs> which we want to avoid at all costs so sarah um sarah here is obviously she's put a question on here um can you legally split i know you like this this question can you legally split two businesses under the same roof for vat purposes one <laughs> groomers and food and retail well as you know <laughs> up until this morning my answer would be absolutely not because hmrc to put it simply in order to split your businesses they have to be completely different so you'd have to be a groomer on one side and a bricklayer on the other side and you think wow i'm opening a bricklaying business i can separate them they have to be that different because a lot of people think oh i'm going to hit that back threshold so i'll just make another business to try and split the profits, split the turnover so that I don't hit that back threshold. That is the reason why HMRC have said they have to be completely different. Until we spoke to a lady earlier on this morning who had a bit of a, a dodgy groomers nearby and they did the same. So she had a grooming, I think was it right, she had a grooming salon and then in the next room she had like a, a was it a daycare or a training thing? No, I it was a, um, a school. A school. Which... Grooming, so this is probably the most, um, this is probably what happens the most, a grooming mm. store and a dog groomers. Sorry, I thought you were going to talk longer then, so I thought this is my chance to get a sip in. Um, Nick, yeah. you... So she did it. And she got investigated by HMRC because, you know, it's not it's not different enough. However, according to obviously what we heard, they let her carry on doing it. Which I would say, obviously, we don't know if that's true. We're just going off what we've heard. You know, it is very rare that the HMRC would do that. And I wouldn't advise doing it. If you are going to do it, then my advice would be to ring HMRC up and say, these are my two businesses. I would like to split them. Is that allowed? And they will tell you yes or no, because what you don't want to be is investigated by HMRC because they will go into everything, like everything. Yeah. So it's best to ring them up. If you've got an idea like I want to be a dog groomer and dog daycare, can I split them up? My answer would be no, you can't. Mm-hmm. But as we found out today, if it's true, it's worth giving HMRC a call and saying, this is what I want to do. Can I do it? And they will tell you. But normally, I'd say no. I think I think that might have been sort of rumor mill. I don't I don't believe that. Yeah. I've I've taken this advice myself before because we sort of thought about doing similar. You know, splitting into two different businesses, and our yeah. account was like, you've literally got to have everything completely different. You can't yeah. even have the same employees that cross across cross over the threshold. Yeah. You've got to have different phone lines, different um, bank accounts, different, absolutely everything was different. And when and when you start to sort of look at it, um, you just think, actually, that's just not worth it. It's not. And you'd be surprised because some people still do it anyway. Um, yeah. yeah you take- and you will get people that will do it, you know, people who do their own accounts might not realise and they'll think, oh, I've got two separate businesses here, but actually... 
you've got one and you may get investigated by HMRC because they've done that for a reason to stop people trying to avoid being fat <laughs> because it's more beneficial to them than it is for us. But um, uh, some questions coming in about um, VAT on education. I, I'm not. Uh, I don't run a school, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not I wouldn't say it's probably out of uh, my expertise on the education front. I know you had. Um, I think we actually might have covered it. Oh, yeah, someone did put on there that they use their dog as like a demo. Mm. And can they claim <laughs> their vet costs? No, you cannot. And you'd be surprised how many people send me their vet bills for their own bloody dog. You cannot do it, unfortunately. I'd love to say yes, but you can't. Anything with your own pets, you can't put the costs through. That is a, a big fat no. Um someone else mentioned to me about uh national insurance now this is a one that people tend to forget about when they're doing their uh, self-assessments your class two national insurance you can pay voluntary so sometimes if you don't earn enough to hit the threshold when you do your self-assessment it just won't include it or say do you want to pay it voluntary nine times out of ten people say no and then for example i've had quite a few groomers that have got pregnant both the last few years and yep. they've rang me up and they've gone oh, like I can't get maternity pay because I haven't been paying my class two and I always ask the client at the start if you don't hit that threshold do you want me to tick the box and everyone says no because <laughs> they don't want to pay the extra money so just if there's anyone out there that does their own self-assessments and you don't meet the national insurance threshold make sure you click and pay the voluntary amount because it is worth it. Because if you get pregnant or sick or whatever, they will look at whether you've made those contributions. And if you haven't, it's a bit more of a ball ache to then go and try and get those benefits because then they'll backdate it. So that's just one that has come out a couple of times and people have fallen short. Tick the box. It's not that much and it's definitely worth doing. Just to, as a side note. Okay, cool. And yeah, and if you don't... Um, there is a way to check your national insurance, isn't there, and see how much you're you're in debt or how much you owe or whether you're. Um, yeah, you're... there's a calculator, or you can just ring them and ask. You might you might be on hold for about an hour and forty five minutes, but <laughs> you can just HMRC. They are helpful when you get through to them. It's just yeah, you have to wait quite a while. I was just um, doing a very big, quick bit of Googling whilst um, you were going over that. And um, it does say <laughs> uh, education and vocational training is VAT uh, exempt, but I believe. Okay. So you do not charge VAT to the customer, but the VAT on the cost of making that supply cannot be claimed or recovered. So there's a no on both sides. Yeah, it's, um, you know... Specialist subject by the sounds of it, education. It is. That's why I'd always advise, you know, if you're going to hit that threshold, get an accountant or a bookkeeper to do it for you and talk you through, because especially now things have gone digital for that, you again have to have a special software in order to submit those VAT returns to HMRC. Yeah. And I, I want to point out, and we had this with, and I've had many... Um, uh, Heidi's just come on saying VAT exempt only if you're doing the training but I, I've had many a discussion with um, Richard my bookkeeper about things going through the through the books and things that are allowed and aren't allowed and I think we we gradually found out you know that um, 
like anything like the law, like the law of the land, it's all up for debate. And um, it's not until it's tested in court can you definitively say yes or no. So Yeah, and it uh, changes all the time as well. Um, that's, you know, another benefit of getting a bookkeeper account because the things that you can claim for and can't claim for, they change all the time. You know, we have to get, you know, reading material every year, which is like books like that thick. Yeah. With just up-to-date tax information because it does change. Um, so it is worth, you know, it's like the clothing, you know, some accountants might put it through, some might not, but it's like you said, I guess it's, it, everyone has their own idea of, of what you should and shouldn't put through. They may differ and he said you know he goes into these similar facebook groups but full of accountants and bookkeepers and there's like big <laughs> arguments going on as oh, to yeah. whether you can claim x or not and you know no one has the definitive on it no. but someone somewhere <laughs> must have to make a decision but uh, it's the most dullest group you'll ever enter <laughs> <laughs> It's not, you know, it's not the most exciting topic in the world, um, which is another reason, you know, why I, I got into doing sort of like pet professionals because it just makes it a bit more interesting. You know, I have like a genuine interest in people's businesses. You know, my clients keep me up to date with all their stuff that's going on. I get invited to their open days and I, you know, it just makes my job a lot easier and a lot more exciting than dealing with your plumbers and electricians. Yeah. Um, so, so um, just perhaps we'll put a line under this. That um, Lee was thinking of having a groomers upstairs and a shop downstairs, for example. Uh, you might. What kind of shop? Well, it's probably a pet shop, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> might not be. Um, again, mm, I would. It's it's on the cusp, isn't it? You sort of think, well. Yeah. It's not the same, but um, I think he'd probably be best ringing HMRC and asking that question. Again, I would say it probably isn't different enough. Why not just save yourself a little bit of money and just go VAT registered and smash through it? We'll do that. Yeah, rather than trying to spend money avoiding it, spend the money just actually doing it. And then, like I say, if you get someone on board that knows what they're talking about with regards to that, literally I made a spreadsheet for one of my clients it was literally foolproof and it was just like literally just input that input that and I will deal with the rest easy it really shouldn't be something that people stress about because you've got someone that you know you can do it and explain it to you it really isn't that difficult to do and you know going back to the original sort of chat talking point about it in my eyes this is how I see it you become VAT registered we put our prices up by 20% and then we collect that VAT on behalf of the government. We put it in a separate account. There's my VAT account. That bubbles yeah. around. That bubbles around. Quarterly, I look in and I go, right, I need to pay that. Bang, there goes there goes the money. It's You're collecting yeah. on behalf of the government. The, the government aren't charging you the VAT. Yeah. Are they? Yeah, no, they're not. It's just you li- literally, like you said, just collect it in a pot Obviously, if you're in a scheme where you can claim that back, say you had a pot and you charged your customers and you had three grand, but then you reclaim that and stuff that you bought for a grand, then you're only going to pay them two grand. So I just keep it separate and just put your 20% in one pot. Yeah. And then 
speak to your accountant in three months' time, they'll tell you how much you owe. You send it off, job done. Or if you're silly like me, you overpay it. And uh, oh, yeah. you, treat the, you treat the government as a savings scheme. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, something's just popped in my head that someone asked me, actually, which is a very, very regular question that I get. People who are grooming from home who build, like, cabins or sheds, and they say, can I claim back the price of the sheds? The answer is no, you can't. And a lot of people have been. Um, and that's just not specific to groomers. That's just a general rule from HMRC that the actual structure itself, you can't claim back. If you just buy the empty shed, for example, which is five grand, but you then fill it with loads of stuff like electrics, you know, tables, baths, whatever, that stuff you can use an expense. But the actual shell itself, you can't because technically it's an, it's an asset, not an expense. Without getting too technical, but basically you can't. So if I was to say, right, we're gonna we're gonna groom we're gonna run our groomers at home and I'm gonna build a summer house at the back that's gonna be five thousand pounds, I can't take nope. that. That's not tax deductible. I can't take that off my No, so the stuff you put in it is, yeah. but the shell isn't. And that is something that a lot of people have been falling foul of. Um I had a lady that built a shed in her back garden she made like uh, organic rabbit biscuits and you know she bought this fancy shed thinking that oh I'll be able to clean that but you can't it's a bit like but however there was a slight exception in that someone did mention one of my clients is getting a a wet pet pod I don't know it's like an all singing and dancing pod with everything included now I checked with that because I wasn't quite sure it's slightly different and you would be able to claim back that as a wet pet pod. <laughs> Don't ask me what the difference is technically. This is just one of HMRC's things that you, you can't claim back normally the structure because it's an asset, not an expense. Whereas the wet pet pod, for whatever reason, you can. Now, I'm not, not one to second guess HMR splits, HMRC, but it's probably because it's very, um, so like a summer house could be used. It can as be a used, pod. yeah. Can it? Whereas a wet pet pod or pet is pod, what it is. It is yeah. specifically designed for that role. It's isn't it? Value to your house, really, isn't it? When you put a super duper sort of all singing, all dancing, you know, shed in your back garden, um, it's not necessarily going to depreciate in value. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, just in case anyone was thinking about getting a wet pet pod, they are a go. <laughs> They are Shed. a go, but they're probably <laughs> Sheds <not>. or no. <laughs> yeah. More expensive. <laughs> oh god, yeah. They're about, you know, fifteen grand or something if you if you go all out. Now something that I um something I found really useful and I found out um going back to a limited company is you can lend your company money and then it can pay you back and you can choose the uh, um the percentage that it, that you can charge it up to a certain limit, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, there is benefits of a limited company, and I'm not saying don't ever, ever do it. It's more aimed at sort of your businesses that are starting out and only maybe going a couple of years that, you know, haven't got the high profits yet. Um, Like I said, if you want to go ahead and do it, that's absolutely fine. You know, no accountant's going to say don't do it. It's just, and there are lots of benefits of a limited company. But when you're starting out, you need to be thinking of, right, what am I going to, what's going to save me money 
you know, and when you haven't got high profits, being a limited company is not going to save you any money. It's probably going to cost you more money, which is why I say what I say about the limited companies. Can you um, just go over dividends for Sarah? She's sort of asking a few questions around dividends. What are the rules around dividends when you can take them? And is it tax efficient to just take them, take dividends? There's some there's some specific rules, isn't there? Around- dividends isn't my strong point because I don't deal with limited companies on a daily basis. My uncle deals with the limited companies. Um, but like you said, the dividends, the amount you can take, which is not taxable, is obviously reduced as far as I'm aware. You used to be able to take quite a bit out and it wouldn't be taxable. I think now it's gone down to like two grand or something. It might even have gone down to zero at some point. Uh, I can cover that. I can cover this yeah. um, for Sarah. So yeah. um, go back. If, if Sarah, go to the YouTube channel and watch um, Richard's um, talk because he does actually go into dividends and your allowances but basically um, as a limited company any um, money you make after all your expenses are paid wages and all your other expenses are paid um, that's cost your profit uh, you then pay corporation tax on that profit which is currently 19 yeah. percent and then anything that's left after that is your sort of net profit um, and that's your net profit to do what you want. Now, if you're um, on your own, so you're the only shareholder, you can then take £2,000 off that net profit tax-free. Tax-free, yeah. I thought it was 2000 Yeah, it is at the moment. The year, like uh, 10 years ago, that used to be unlimited. Unlimited, and it's going to go yeah. down to zero as well. So So they obviously found ways of taxing the um, taxing the rich a bit more. Um, So you so say your um, your net profit is four thousand pounds. You can take two thousand pounds of that tax free, completely tax free, and then you would pay seven percent tax on the 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 remaining. Is it seven and a half, or has it gone down? I thought seven and a half. Or maybe seven and a half. Yeah, it's which is. This um, talk covers that. Um, if you've got, um, say you've got two of you, there's two shareholders in the company and you've made £4,000 net profit, you could potentially both take £2,000 each tax-free. Um, so that's how you sort of take take dividends. And you can pay yourself um, through dividends, obviously, because it is a lower tax bracket of 7 or 7.5%. Um, but again, it's you've just got to take that advice and do that sort of planning meeting with your accountant and saying, look, this is what's going on. Uh, if you're also, if you're limited and um, you know you you've suddenly made a big profit and you've done a, a planning meeting around month nine, you could actually look at putting some of that profit into a pension, and that's tax free. I very much doubt you'll hit the tax limit on that. Um, that's tax free, and then that removes the profit from your company, so you then don't pay as much corporate tax. Or, or if you take all the profit out into a pension, you don't pay any corporation tax. So, what, Just to add on to that, what people tend to do with limited companies, I don't know if you do this, Bill, is that they'll pay themselves a wage, which is mm-hmm. under the taxable amount, which I think has gone up to 12570 now, yeah. so that you don't pay tax on your personal wage. And then whatever's left, obviously you'd pay your corporation tax on, but if you were to take money out of that as a dividend then obviously that's where the benefits of a limited company comes because you're only paying 7.5% on the money that you take out and not 20% or 40%, which is yeah. then where the benefits of this come in. 
obviously at some point I think dividends will go down to a big fat zero um, and the corporation tax will go up but if you're going to do a limited the best way like to say is to have your wage underneath that 12 and a half grand and then take out the rest as dividends like I said then you'll only pay seven and a half percent um, and your corporation tax is what's left is like Bill said you could pay 19 percent on that so like I said there is benefit for doing it yeah, you just got to make sure um, that you are making that profit to take that dividend. Because if you take a dividend and you, there's no profit in there, I believe that is illegal. <laughs> so. Yeah, so this is why I say if you're just starting out, keep it simple with a sole trader. When you start sort of getting into 30, 40, 50 grand profit mark, then that's when you need to sort of take advantage of the tax. So. That covers that. So, I mean, I know Kirsty asked that bit, but Kirsty Mills asked a big question, you know, do you go sole trade or do you go limited? I think we probably covered that today. Yeah. There is no real right yeah. answer, but... There is, and again, it's personal preference, you know. You could get anyone that sits here and goes, you know, yes, do it, no, don't do it. It's entirely your choice. It's not wrong to pick any of them, really. It's, you know, whatever avenue you want to go down, no accountant's going to say don't give me four times the fee, you know, so, which is what you'd probably pay for a limited company, mm. which again probably gets me into pricing to be very careful of what you're being charged because I've heard some wild figures in the last couple of weeks. I've had one lady whose husband was paying £700 a month for a limited company accounts now. I don't know who this accountant is, whether it's the Kardashians of accountants, I don't know. But £700 a month is unreal. You should not be paying that amount of much for limited companies. I would say the average is probably between £1,200 and £1,500 a year. But obviously mm -hmm. it depends on how many employees you've got, whether you're that registered. But as a ballpark for everyone, if they do decide to own an accountant, if it's not me, um, that's the sort of ballpark figure you should be looking at. With partnerships, it's obviously less, but slightly more than sole traders because there's more paperwork to do. But again, with partnerships, you're probably looking at, I would say, between five, six hundred pounds. And again, it varies whether you go to someone who's self-employed like me or you go to a high street accountant. You know, they're obviously going to have more overhead, so they will charge you more. And then sole traders, anything from... 200 to 400 i would say and then if you get anything cheaper than that i'd be just as worried as someone doing it for 50 quid than i would be someone who's doing it for 700 pounds so just to give people a ballpark figure because a lot of people don't know and they're just paying ridiculous amounts of money which yeah and it's, it's not you know this is um someone that you're going to enter into a relationship with as well isn't it a professional relationship because you 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 are going to have to rely on this person you're going to have to rely on their advice um, and you're going to have um times of the year throughout the year where you're going to be speaking to them quite a lot so it's yeah. definitely someone that you need to be you need to be testing out don't you and shopping around and making sure that not only does the price fit with you and your yeah. business but you actually get on with them and you can yeah. you know you, you don't dread that email you don't dread that phone call from them oh, here we go yeah. oh no it's my accountant oh <laughs> you've got to be able to 
you've got to be able to be honest and open with them and t- and take their advice. You know, there's no point yeah. having an accountant and they're giving you advice and you're like, well, I don't believe you. Well, uh, you're wrong. Or, yeah. you know, you, you've got to have that professional working relationship yeah. with them because they'll, they'll save you money. And we're there to help at the end of the day. You know, we're there to give you the options. You know, I go back to the cleaner that I used to work with and she was getting annoyed because I wasn't giving her another option with regards to the VAT. And there isn't another option. And it was kind of like, well, I'd love to give you another option, but there isn't. So, you know, it's we're there to help, not to hinder or just to take your money. Some accountants will be, you might go to some and you're just a number and you, you pay them, they give you, they submit your tax return and then you don't hear off them again for 12 months. And like you said, you've got to have that relationship because, you know, I have ones that text me at like 10 o'clock at night. And they say, oh, Vicky, like, <laughs> you know, I want to build a shed or, you know, I've paid for this, what can I do? You know, and they'll just WhatsApp me and I'm more than happy because I'm a bit of a workaholic. I've always got my phone. I'll just WhatsApp them back. And you've got to have that relationship. And a lot of people do, I think, A, think accountants are too expensive, which some of them are. Like I said, you, some of them will try and rip you off. Unfortunately, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, they don't know what they can do for you, which is another. I did like a little survey on another group. And the main ones that came out were price. And I don't know how you can help. And, and I think they have uh, an image in their head of some sort of stern looking man with a briefcase or a woman being like, and like shouting at them with a calculator in their hands. You know, it, it isn't like that. You know, you know, you'll get me who turns up in their jeans and a hoodie because most of the time we get covered in dog slaver and fur and mud and whatever. And it is, you've got to have that relationship with someone because they're there to help. And if you don't feel confident enough to ring them, then you're going to be paying for a service and not getting one because you're not going to ring them and ask them the question. Like, no question is silly in my eyes. You know, you're not an accountant at the end of the day. So why, how do you know the answer? You know, if I was to groom a dog, I wouldn't have a bloody clue. I'd just get some scissors and start chopping. Like, that's a really good point. And I, I, I do wonder, I mean, I find my accountant today and I'll probably speak to him probably... Uh, at least monthly, uh, if not more, depending on the time of year. But there's always like those little questions mm. like, oh, I want to do this this business course. Can I claim that back? Like, yeah. Or I want, oh, we need to do, we need to buy. Um... So I actually asked the question about putting up a, a shed, like a building in the back of our, in the back of our, um, in our garden to have like as a, a training stroke lunch room sort of thing. And I was now really surprised know. to learn. <laughs> yeah, I was really surprised to learn that you couldn't actually claim that back from expenses. And then um, another thing I was we were looking to put um, new flooring in throughout the throughout the shop because ours was really manky and old. And it's like, well you've got to be really careful because if you're is this something like you're you're replacing the floor, um, you can claim it back, but if you're improving the floor, you can't claim it back. And it's just little things like that. Um I think that's more to do with um when you rent a house out. Well, right. uh, when, yeah, when you rent a house out, you cut you have to replace things like for like. You can't replace, you know. A floor with like plywood, and then put a marble floor down, and then claim back the marble floor. It has to be like for like. Mm. If you're to put flooring in like your sheds, you can claim back the flooring. It's absolutely fine. Um, 
it's when you're renting a house, you have to do it like for like. You can't improve it as such. I, mean, I could be wrong, but that's but, how I But you, you, you go to make these like um, expensive decisions, but you, you're kind of, if you're not, if you're not reaching out and including the professionals within your decision making, so like your accountant and like your bookkeeper or uh, other other people that's going to help you, like your HR lady or yeah. HR professional, if you're not if you're making decisions and not including them, then potentially you're going to make poor decisions or decisions that are going to cost you in the future. Yeah, like buying a ten thousand pound shed. <laughs> yeah, and you can't claim it back through expenses. Yeah. I mean, that's going to hurt. I know I always tell my clients I'm like please please ring me like that is what I'm there for you know some of them will just go ahead and do stuff and then ring me after they've done it and then I'm like no you can't do that and they're like oh I'm like please use me like that is what you pay me for you don't pay just to give me your receipts in 12 months I type them into you know into a computer system press send and then that's it you know obviously it depends on you that's my my that might be what you want but you know, accountants there to help you with your business. You know, I don't just offer tax advice. You know, I get asked on HR questions. I get asked about benefits, uh, especially at the minute. Um, business advice, you know, I can give advice on all those. I might not know everything because uh, it's not my area of expertise, but we are there because I've worked with a lot of groomers who do similar things. I get a lot of questions. And I think, oh, actually my other client just did that and this is how it worked and it's like oh okay so we're there to be used I just don't I think people are just have this misconception that accounts can be awful <laughs> that we should hide but no we're, we're generally not well some of us aren't anyway I should probably um, release you from the shackles of Zoom soon because you've been on, <laughs> on Zoom all day. Um, Zoom bobs. But um, I've got a little quick questions, if that's all right. Hopefully they're quick. Um, Isabel has just sort of put on there, I've paid, I have a PAYE college job, so she's employed, plus her grooming job. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really understand the tax implications as when I started to earning under the threshold, but will be earning above the threshold this time. So she's got, she's employed probably part-time um, at college, yeah. at but is also grooming in her spare time or as another job and is obviously self-employed. So what are the tax? I mean, what are so if you, if you're doing the two jobs, you can put your PAYE job and your self-employed job on the same self-assessment. So a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm not making that much from my self-employed job, so I'd best not register. Complete opposite. You need to register as soon as you start your business. So if you've made a loss, say you've just started and you made a loss on your uh, grooming job, and you think, oh, well, I'll not put it through, you're missing out on a lot because that loss can be taken off your PAYE job, Mm. and then you might get some tax back. So you can offset it against your other job. And obviously, if if this lady's earning like 12 grand from a PAYE job, then obviously whatever she earns from the grooming job will get added on to that. And then you'd pay tax on obviously whatever's over the threshold. Does that make sense? It does to so, me. Hopefully. Yeah, so you've got your PAYE job, you've got your grooming job, they get added together. So if you've made 10 and one and 10 and the other, it'd be 20 grand. And also you'd get hit, you would get taxed on that bit after the 12 and a half. 
But again, if you've made a loss, you can counteract it against your other jobs. It's always worth doing. Yeah. It's a very quick answer to that. Right. None of these questions have very quick uh, answers. No. That's a very simple, quick way of putting it. Okay, I've started with an easy question for you. It now gets a little bit more trickier, oh, maybe. No, I don't want a tricky one. It's late. Go on. <laughs> oh, this is a good tester. Um, but I think Nikki will probably try and get in touch with you directly anyway, and we'll put your details on the on the group afterwards. And you are hanging out in the group as well, aren't you? So you can... Yeah, yeah, I'm always about. Um, I started in June 2019, and I still haven't done a self-assessment. Alarm bells. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I've applied for universal credit as a starter business and got it and they gave me an income floor level. Doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> Which helped me so much during startup. Okay. I was told I didn't have I did I didn't have to pay tax and national insurance because of universal credit, but I haven't since been told that was wrong. I'm now scared and not sure what to begin with where to begin with it all. Um, There's so many questions I can ask about that. If she started in June 2019, it depends how... Ignore universal credit, because universal credit's not taxable. So ignore it for now. Yeah. It depends how much she's earned in between April 19 and April 20, because like I say, if it's under the £1,000, then she doesn't need to do a self-assessment tax return anyway. But if she's earned more than that, ignoring universal credit, then technically you should be doing a tax return. Yeah. Um, if you've re- if you've registered with HMRC you're self-employed within that year, they would have probably sent her a letter to say why haven't you filed a tax return? Um, obviously it's hard to answer that question without knowing a bit more detail. But for anyone that's been self-employed and taking universal credit, universal credit is not taxable, so it doesn't go on your tax return. Okay, so you just ignore that and just do your tax. Ignore it. I'm I'm not a benefit. Yeah. Uh, person, but I've looked into this already for one of my other previous clients, and the universal credit is not taxable, so does not need to go on your tax return. So to answer your question, it depends how much she's earned in that year, ignoring universal credit. But I would have thought that HMRC would have sent her a letter to say, why haven't you submitted a tax return? Yeah. But maybe uh, whoever that is, if you message me, I can give you a call. And maybe run through it in a bit more depth. I think a big a big message to take away from that is also is don't bury your head in the sand. You know, you've got to be proactive with this and you've got to go out there and seek that advice and speak to HMRC because the longer you leave it, the harder it becomes, isn't it? And harder and the more times you will get, they do not care about why you have not done it. Um, it doesn't matter what excuse you give them they will just carry on fining you month after month after month. So the longer you leave it, the longer and more fines you will get from them. So I'd always say if there's an issue, ring HMRC or ring a bookkeeper or an accountant and ask them and say, look, this is my situation. What do I do? Because nine times out of ten, we can sort it fairly quickly. But the longer you leave it, the more issues you will get further down the line. That's it. That's it. So don't bury your head in the sand. Do something about it. And not only it will help you sleep at night, <laughs> uh, 
you'll actually be making positive steps to getting the, the issue sorted. And, yeah. um, you know, even if you do owe some money, which I'm not sure if you will or not, because from the comments you're putting on here, even if you do owe some money, then I'm sure there's always options. That I'm sure HMRC do give you options as well, don't they? Yeah, so it's the same as when people get their tax bill and they say to me, oh, I can't afford to pay all that in one go. Don't just leave it and don't pay it because all you're going to get is more money on top of it in the fine. If you ring HMRC, normally they will put a payment plan together for you and set a monthly amount for you to pay in order to pay it off. But you have to ring them and get them to set it up. You can't just decide yourself, oh, I'll just pay them £500 a month until it's paid off. It's got to be set up by them. And nine times out of ten when my clients have done that, they've gone, yeah, that's absolutely fine. And they've set out a specific payment plan and then it's been sorted. Again, if you leave it, all they're going to do is add fines on. They don't care. So that's it. <laughs> Take your hand in the sand. I think, I think we're both getting quite tired. We started very early this morning, didn't we? With, uh, with calls. Um, something we wanted to mention was that we are um, partnering up. We are going into business together, aren't we? And uh, yeah. We've definitely been um, watching the group grow and um, seeing where the sort of help is required and help is needed. And I think chats like these obviously show that there is a, a lack of knowledge um, and understanding and quite rightly because it's, you know, you're the professional when it comes to accounting and stuff. Um, so we're looking to put together a, a like an intensive day course for people starting out within business um, so that we can help you um, sort out your business from the, from the very day dot, you know, you do your grooming course, you do, your, you do our, you do the intensive business training day and that's going to include a, a slot with you as well, isn't it? Yeah. So the idea behind it, uh, just very quickly before we bore everyone to death with uh, accounting yeah. speak is uh the majority of people I spoke to over the last couple of months have either sort of gone down the wrong route or they've, you know, like you said, have not done their accounts properly and are getting fined or people who just don't know where to start when it comes to either the business side of it or the accounting side. So like Bill said, what we've done or what we are in the process of doing is putting together a one-day course that will explain everything. It will be like a one-stop shop of what you need um, you will get the recording of the course so that you don't have to frantically write everything down you will also get an accounting pack which has been written by me which will basically be a step-by-step -step guide of how to do your accounts how to register and we'll cover everything basically that we've talked about today I think we're going to do a Facebook group for the people that have taken that course who will basically get our attention for six months you will have us on tap for anything that you want for six months uh, to follow on from that course so that hopefully we as, as a partnership can get everyone starting on the right track and you'll all know exactly what it, you need to do as far as like the business element is concerned and the tax element so we'll cover all bases um, and yeah you'll have us on tap pretty much after that for six months 
So we're really going to uh, focus on the, the startup and getting it right from the beginning, which yeah. is going to bleed into the rest of your career as a pet groomer, um, and you know put you on the right track so that we've so that you're not making sort of mistakes and you've got confidence and you can go forward and um, be a happy, profitable um, pet groomer with all that knowledge behind you. So and we'll all be hitting that bat threshold. <laughs> and i'll be going go limited right at the end <laughs> <laughs> that's your that's your 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 business goals isn't it so yeah. um if you're watching that and you think actually that that is a course that i'd really love to do um get in touch you know you can message us at, uh via our personal um facebook or you can message us um you can email me at um, pip <laughs> passion to profit one at gmail.com and yourself vicky uh, it's just vicky so v-i-c-k-y at mbmuk.com or go on my facebook page uh, which is just at mbmuk accountants also just a shameless plug if you're not following my page please follow it because i do put stuff on there every week um whether it's to do with the grants the self-employed scheme um, you know, questions that people ask, Q and A's, all goes on that page. And again, anything through the course or anything that's going to be helpful will be on that page. Um, so drop it a follow. Yeah, definitely. Um, for those that aren't on here live at the moment, and you probably won't see this now, but I will upload it to YouTube so that um, you can watch it back. And if you do watch it, please put replay in the comments so that we know you've seen it. And um, I'll put all of the sort of social media tags and website tags in the comments um, so that you can get hold of Vicky and uh, pick her brains about your your accounting, accounting queries. So... Um, Hopefully that's been really useful for everyone. And um, yeah, <laughs> slow down at the end. I I'm, think we're both, I know. We're I'm both. sorry I didn't have a fancy PowerPoint presentation like Richard. I'm jealous. <laughs> uh, well, you know he, he got he, the he, old-fashioned <laughs> notepad and pen. That's yeah. <laughs> it's been great. Great chatting to but you. No, again. Thank you, everyone. And I hope it's oh, soon. Just really to the end. So, oh, you're breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was you. I've only had one glass of gin today as well. It's already gone wrong. <laughs> right, well, let's end it here then. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, anyone, if you need me, um, Bill will put my details in his group and literally just drop me a call or an email. Uh, I'll happily answer any questions. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Perfect. All right, I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye, everyone. Take care. Bye.